The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by all of my awesome co-hosts. Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about a game that we are bringing back from our Apple Arcade episode a couple of weeks ago. I guess three now. So we uh, had a gap week there. Uh, We talked about various games from Apple Arcade that we were enjoying. And one of the ones that seemed like a standout that we hadn't seen talked about, I think nearly enough, uh, was Sneaky Sasquatch. And there's a lot to Sneaky Sasquatch, um, so we decided to focus on it a little more, talk about it for a more full episode, because it was, it honestly, so far, maybe the most fun I've had in Apple Arcade. Yeah, it's a super fun game. This was a game I overlooked because I thought it was for children, and I'm not a person who's like, oh, baby game, but it it definitely, in the materials, looked like a toy. It looks like a game for toy. children. Yeah. It like looks like Tokoboka. Yes, yeah. it looks like Tokoboka. It looks a lot like mm-hmm. Tokoboka. Yeah, I made that comparison when we when we talked about it on the last episode. It, it looks very much like the Tokoboka where you feed monsters. And right down to the fact that like when you're feeding the Sasquatch, he 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 splashes himself in food in about the same way. Yeah, that that is one of the many delightful animations that this game has that seem Completely unnecessary, but add to the overall vibe of the game. Awkwardly feeding the Sasquatch the food in a horrifically messy fashion is fantastic. I think what I didn't get about this game initially is just what an open world game it is. Um, so, you know, at the beginning here, at least we're going to be retreading some of what Shane told us about the game uh, when we were talking about it on Apple Arcade. So uh, apologies to anyone who you know listened to that episode and now wants us to get to the good stuff, the stuff that we haven't talked about already. But to set this game up. The most, the, the thing that was the hugest surprise for me on this one was that this is a true open world game in the vein of like, uh, do everything, simulate everything, tons of little mini activities, games like, I mean, I hate to compare it to GTA because it's not really anywhere near in the same sort of like tonal vibe with that, but it, <laughs> it has a lot of that energy of like, you are a wild person who is roaming a very busy town doing whatever you please. And you have tons and tons and tons of different things that you can choose to do. Not all of which are necessarily like, uh, you know, activities explained to you or, or assigned to you by the story. Uh, There's just an ability to like roam around and find interesting mischief to do or stuff to play. And it just becomes this like, loop of just like discovery and fun it, so i mean i i don't know I, I had a ton of fun with this but i'm sure i've only seen about 20 percent of it and you can steal cars in the goofing around category i saw this kind of like a short hike in that you sure you can get to the top of the mountain but really you can goof off and do a ton of little things but except this has fifty thousand things and short hike had 20 and the other thing i kept thinking of was um they, they have a duck in this game but it is a bit of a goose-like. However, it's not as puzzly as Goose Game. So 
it, it's mischief making, but it otherwise it's not as goose like as I thought it was going to be. But it's its own very all ages friendly, just late open world mischief game. Yeah, is that what yeah. we can call it? Is is goose like a thing now, or is has Untitled Goose Game been out long enough that there are now goose likes? Like, where is this in comparison from a development standpoint? Like, how much, how long has this game been out in comparison to Untitled Goose Game? Not that long. Let's talk a little bit about this one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm putting forward Goosevania as the uh, the, <laughs> the genre. Um, so I think. This game has these sort of phases in terms of like how you discover what you can do in this game. You know, the the, the beginning of this game is you are a Sasquatch. You're living in a uh, a small uh, I don't know nature park or like camping oriented state park type of thing, uh, and uh, it's called a sneaky Sasquatch because. You know, apart from, you know, it has, I felt like a sort of a Yogi Bear simulator. Your initial job as the Sasquatch of this park is to roam around the park, finding picnic baskets and uh, <laughs> taking the food out of the picnic baskets and uh, sneaking around so that you are not seen by the park rangers. And I'd say for the first, I don't know, hour of the game, that's what this game is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to uh, I would like to throw in goose ups real quick. As, oh, yes. as another as another option while we're while we're workshopping this i'm glad you finally came up with that that was really really timely thank you <laughs> nate um and uh keep them coming as you workshop it just keep keep like let me know when you when you yeah if you develop that any further we'll come back to it um yeah so like once you've figured out this core loop of like go out from your sasquatchy den into the park sneak around so you don't get seen uh, by the humans or the or the park rangers and steal food, then go to go to picnic benches in order to uh, uh, in order to eat it. Just when that's about to become boring, which is at a, about forty five minutes in, like that's a pretty simple loop, right? Like as soon as it's about to become boring, you start unlocking new stuff, and it never lets that foot off the gas in terms of like as soon as something becomes boring there's another totally new totally different thing to do yeah the the overall structure of the game it so it starts off exactly what you say you you start exploring the uh the park you're the sasquatch and the basic mechanic is uh it's kind of a stealth game and they do something that i think is pretty uh tactile and neat because this is a mobile exclusive when you're sneaking what you're doing is almost like tiptoeing with your fingers you're tapping on screen to move to where you want to go but if you're sneaking you're doing a little tiptoe a couple of days in you know you're 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 learning the basics of just you know explore the park if a ranger sees you they will take you back to where you live and tell you stay out of trouble sasquatch which by the way uh really upset my three-year-old every time that would happen he, 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 my, my, my son would be preemptively telling me, stay out of trouble, Sasquatch. Um, but the, uh, yeah, so once you master, you know, sneaking around, which you do through mainly just like hiding in the bushes or going into tents or, you know, in other ways, kind of just tiptoeing to sneak past, um, you know, you, you get a little bit of the, the uh, stealth mechanics going. And then on the second day, the raccoon uh, starts showing up and uh, telling you about uh, Mr. Pemberton, who has arrived in the park. Uh, this is someone who I think has, 
is going to be building condos all over the park. Oh no, that's there's your problem. This is the classic rent day uh, plot line, right? Where we have to have money to, you know, make sure that they don't turn Sasquatch Park into condos. Um, and the way that you are going to solve this problem is to discover uh, the treasure that is buried in the park. And in order to find the, the treasure, well, the duck, of course, the duck, has a treasure map. And he will give it to you, but he, for some reason, tore it into nine pieces and hid them all over the park. And so there's your first quest. Because duck. Yeah, I yeah. think the the duck in this game is definitely on the nomination pile for Dirtbag of the Year. Uh, this duck is just causing nothing but trouble, no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah, there are a few ducks here. I feel like it. this is a very derivative duck, so I feel like Dirtbag of the Year belongs to someone who's not... A direct ripoff of the goose, of the who's goose. already claimed that honor. But yeah. maybe the fox. Uh, the, yeah, the fox oh, is great. Yeah. So there, this is just these are we're just coming up with all these different names of animals to our listeners. <laughs> but each one of these different animals <laughs> has content. some mini game for you to play. So, for example, there's a rabbit who will challenge you to races, and it's wearing some adorable exercise gear. Love that. There's a fox that will give you kind of mischievous challenges. Um, there's a bear that will buy your extra food. Uh, there's, there's a lot uh, of different animals there. There's also, um, well, there's not just one duck. There's quite a few ducks. There's a construction duck. Construction duck is my absolute favorite. And there's a whole, he's got a whole squad of other construction ducks. Uh, at some point you unlock, they do good work. Yeah. You unlock these construction ducks who will offer to do upgrades on your house for you. And some of those are just cosmetic, but there's also like really functional upgrades. Like once you start uh, taking trips, uh, yeah, at some point you can unlock a car that you have <laughs> back at your campsite and then yeah, you, he can uh-huh. unlock a driveway that lets you get out of the, uh, out of the park and onto the freeway without having to drive through all of the campsites, which is like a huge convenience. Um, Little stuff like that is like really funny and also like really good at just like parceling out little upgrades and changes that let you, that change the way the game plays. You know, now it's not about sneaking out of the park through the front entrance. Now, now you can drive out in your golf cart or or car and, and explore the town. I enjoyed the driving. I, in a lot of ways, I felt in more control uh, while driving than I did running around. I was, I, I struggled a little bit with the controls at times in this game. And when I was driving around, I felt great. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the tricks that this game pulls off very well is the second you get frustrated with the mechanic, you can buy or play your way out of it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And so early on, for example, you are, Stealing out of coolers, you are in danger of getting caught, you're causing mischiefs, and you can pretty quickly buy yourself a disguise to look like a camper. And then you can just walk into people's RVs and open the fridge and steal all the food off their shelves. Uh, So once you... And then the challenge changed to something else. So it's very inventive. There are few games that the description of what you can do in the app store is just a bullet list of things and that actually all of them are fun most of them are like 30 customizable skins 20 horses and you really can get one horse at a time like wait tell me about this 20 horse game 
I want to I want to I want to emphasize that like this is true to the degree that like this game is full of other games within this game. Like I spent two hours just playing a golf game in this game. Yeah. Like this game. On has, brand. Yeah, it has it. Well, I, I agree. Uh, it's not the best golf game I've played on iPhone. Tell us a this, little bit more about this, golf. This is the second best golf game in Apple Arcade. Let's put it that way. And um, it's I had a lot of fun, like going out to the golf course, playing uh, like a short round of golf, unlocking enough coins to buy a better set of clubs, playing another longer round. And eventually it became a way that I could, you know, I could rake in like eight or nine hundred coins in a day by going out and playing nine holes of golf. And that was a blast. Reagan easing in. So, <laughs> this is, I imagine Reagan, uh, like, you know, 30 years from now is in retirement and they're like, oh, Reagan, what have you been getting into? And he's like, playing golf. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, nice. Getting outside. Never could have seen that coming. And be like, no, no. There was a game from 2020 that had a sa- it was Sasquatch golf. That's what I've been easing into retirement. You can make That's a lot of corn. Um, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I will say too that, uh, like at the beginning when the game started, I thought it was like, Kind of silly and kind of fun, uh, but the real moment that I was like, all right, I am actually having fun with this game was when I did manage to sneak into someone's RV, not in the costume, but just as the Sasquatch, and open up their fridge, and there's just talk about costumes. And there's uh, so there was so much food in there. The just the act of like yes, and like swiping all the food into it your feels backpack. So good it to was, open it, the fridge after did. those little coolers. Yeah, you go from picnic. Pick a nick of baskets with just like one or two things, and then you open up the fridge and it's full. You're like, I'm never gonna go hungry again. It felt great and it was fun. <laughs> mm. uh, can we talk about the controls for a second? Like, so I I know that you guys mostly played this on touch, and I played it almost entirely with a controller. Um, and mm. it also played really, really well with a controller. Um, so uh, I maybe somebody I can have. yeah somebody talk about the uh, the touch controls first, and then I'll jump in with the controller sure. angle because I think that most people, yeah. if they're playing this on Apple Arcade, are probably paying it on an iPhone. I played this uh, with a with the Backbone controller on my phone, but I assume that's also the same control scheme it would use if you were playing on a Mac or on a uh, on an Apple TV with a controller. Uh, but somebody else talk about the touch controls first. The the interface is pretty intuitive. Um, you know, for the most part, you are just tapping where you want to go. Uh, it does have to explain to you the kind of uh, tiptoe tapping that you do to make the, the the Sasquatch sneak. But apart from that, it's really just kind of tap to go. Um, what's what's really fun about this is it is it has these tactile interaction moments, right? You mentioned like opening up a picnic basket or a fridge. What you're doing is literally tapping on the screen and it shows the Sasquatch's hand opening the basket. And then you're dragging items from the basket into the uh, backpack. And I thought at first that this kind of interaction would get old, but it really doesn't because it's done so cleanly and so cleverly and with such good uh, little animations. So just... Uh, a common one would be feeding the the Sasquatch, where you get to a picnic table, and then you tap a little button, and he dumps all the food in his backpack out onto the table, and then you're dragging it into his mouth, and then he's just, in the messiest way possible, just scarfing it down, like with slobber going everywhere. And it's absolutely hilarious. And then, you know, it, just to keep things quick, uh, when you're done, you hit the little X, like you do in every one of these interactions, and everything flies back into the backpack to make it clear, okay, that's all back in the backpack, and you can keep going. 
I, I want to give one example of what I thought was a really great interaction in this kind of realm of these like very clean touch interactions. It was a challenge from the uh, fox. You know, the, you're you're near a ranger station, and the fox tells you, you know, the snoring from that ranger that's sleeping in that ranger station is bothering me all night long. I need you to get into his ranger station and set off the fire alarm. And so what you can do is you can tiptoe in and you can find the fire alarm is near a stove. You can open the stove, drag something out of your backpack, any piece of food, put it on the burner of the stove, inside the oven, whatever, it doesn't matter, turn it on and then sneak back out and then the fire alarm will go off. <laughs> and like the, all of these little pieces like are so tactile and work so well at it's so uh, it, and it was just a hilarious moment to see uh, the the ranger then get up and say, hey who, hey, who put this can of Coke in my oven? I don't remember trying to cook a can of Coke or whatever. I didn't um, cook orange juice. Yeah, I, I love <laughs> yeah. the um, the the when the stove pulls up, you know, like you're saying tactile. And there's there's four buttons for each burner. You tap on each one and it literally it clicks and the flame turns on and there's a a button for the oven and it just, it did feel really nice. And that dragging of items onto the burner just felt really good. I agree completely. And then the other piece of the UI of the game, which is really simple is the, uh, the backpack. So the Sasquatch is wearing a backpack. It's the only piece of clothing he can't remove. And, uh, in that backpack, you have three things. One is a map. One is the settings. And then the third is, uh, the outfits and tools, right? And you're collecting outfits and tools. And like a, a lot of these outfits are related to like different uh, disguises he might ha- take or jobs he might have. Like eventually you get a uh, ranger disguise that makes the rangers ignore you. Uh, I think first you get just some normal human clothes. And that way the normal humans stop recognizing you as a Sasquatch and they stop. Al- so as you start the game, like any human will be like, ah, Sasquatch and like alert the Rangers and you have to run away. Uh, but if you're disguised, only the Rangers will spot, uh, the Sasquatch. Uh, or if you're disguised as a Ranger, they just, they just ignore you. So, um, anyway, where were we? We were talking about, uh, controls, (laughs) controls. I'd like to know what color, what color backpack everybody chose. Blue. Red. Of course. It's the best color for a backpack. Very Dora. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> I also I also chose red. Shane, what did you choose? Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, well, that's why I'm asking the question. It's personal. <laughs> that's fair. I originally chose green, and then I was like, oh, I don't like how it blends in with the the green of this forest so much. Lies. And I was like, I wonder, I wonder if they will let me pick a different color. And they did. That's such great, uh, you know, consideration. I just went right back to the raccoon and said, you know. And before a bunch of people email, yes, Dora's backpack is purple. I was saying that Uh, having a backpack is very Dora, (laughs) to clarify. Oh, okay. (laughs) I I was about to jump through the screen. And throttle me, So thank you for clarifying. Yeah. All the Dora uh, The email was going to be for me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, big overlap with our audience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, well, for sure. parents probably, yes. <laughs> I, uh, I I wanted to say two things about the controls. One is just that if you are um, uh, if you are playing on something with a controller, it also plays really, really well. I tried it both ways. 
Um, and I, I have found that, at least for me, I find myself getting a lot more engaged with games on iPhone if I have a controller. Like, that's part of why I've been very, I've been very happy with the Backbone controller that I bought. It's overpriced at $100, but like, seriously, I, I'm really, really glad to have it. It turns a lot of games that would otherwise be like, you know, it turns like an 8 out of 10 into a 9 out of 10 in most cases for me, you know, because it just, it feels more like the kind of game experience I'm used to having. And I'm I'm very into it. And this game plays Absolutely. great with a controller. And I, if you have something like an Apple TV or a Mac, um, I think this would be a good experience to play with a controller. Although I actually did have a little trouble getting it to work with my Xbox controller on my Mac. So I'm not sure what the issue was there. I know it's possible. Something's up. Yeah. Our, our attentive listeners will, will remember the backbone controller from all the episodes where Reagan has previously said how much he loves it. I do. I do love it. It's great. But that said, uh, I, I do think that I, I appreciate your backbone controller love, but I, I do think in this game that the flinging of objects and it, the tactile nature, I think, is probably more fun touching the screen. Okay, okay. possibly, yes, but here's mm. here's my argument uh, against, which is that controlling Wait, the- it's golf, isn't it? No, no. Although, yes. <laughs> yes, that too. The golf is way easier with a controller. <laughs> Makes the um, golf better. It does make the golf better. Uh, but uh, although, interestingly enough, they have a lot of things that have like very, like they've clearly thought about like the differences and in interactions between a controller and touch. Like golf is a good example of this. You know, they use a kind of a pullback, uh, like slingshot kind of touchscreen interaction for the touch controls for the golf but with the uh, with the, the sticks you'd think that maybe they would just like translate that exact motion to like a stick movement but they don't they they do still use kind of like a stick pull but it's like pull the stick and then click a button in order to flick in order to, to shit, shoot the the golf ball and also you're you're not pulling it um, in the reverse of the direction, you're you're pulling the stick in the direction you want to shoot the, the ball. It's a different interaction entirely. And there's a lot of places in the game where they really are doing totally different interactions for controller versus uh, versus touch. And they've clearly thought this this out to make sure this is a game that feels natural in both modes. Um, yeah. And the the thing that really struck me is like the the thing that almost seems like it shouldn't work on a controller, but really really does is the um, uh, the like moving the hands of the Sasquatch around while you're doing things like feeding him his food. And actually it just makes it a hundred times funnier because it's kind of surgeon simulatory. You're like piloting his hands around with a, with a game pad. And it's very funny to me. Um, it reminded me a ton of, do you guys remember a game from about 2009 on the app store called Enviro bear 2010? I do remember that. You remember no. EnviroBear 2010? Okay, I loved EnviroBear 2010. I was reminded of it many times playing this because it's a game where you play... I Forgive me a, a little divergence here to talk about a forgotten game that I love to absolute de- death. Um, EnviroBear 2010 is a game... I think it might have been originally called EnviroBear 20, 2000 and then got an update. I, I forget. Anyway... EnviroBear is a game where you play as a bear in a national park who has realized that he's late to hibernate and he hasn't eaten enough to hibernate. So you steal a car and you're driving a car around the national park in first person 3D with shitty MS Paint art um, with with, uh, driving a car around trying to like hit fish so they fly up into the sky so you grab them out of your uh, your like sunroof window 
Um, and the the trick here is that you are driving the car, but you're a bear. So you you're you have a, a single bear hand on screen. So you can only hit the gas or steer or grab food at any one time. You can't do all of those things at the same time. And the hands work mm-hmm. the same way that the hands of the Sasquatch do here. It's very, very similar in that way. That's awesome. It, it, this this game, by the way, is on uh, EnviroBear is on itch.io. So nice. I would encourage anyone who's curious to check it out. It is very funny. Um, the game becomes super chaotic because like random crap just also falls into your car and is just all shaking around. Uh, badgers climb in your window and attack you. Uh, you could just like you have to like throw junk out of the sunroof in order to like just keep the, the wheel from becoming cluttered up with leaves <laughs> it's very very enviro bear is like one of my first interactions with like the the sort of like anti-game genre like you know the genre of game that's like trying its best to not be good and by that uh by that logic it's become brilliant like it's really it's really a great weird thing and worth playing and apparently i didn't even know this until just now apparently it's the same developer that developed desert golfing do you remember that game that's like that became like really huge yes. for a while mm-hmm. yeah same same guys apparently that's funny so yeah speaking yeah. of developers i just realized we we never gave the developer like name or story on this one and I, yeah kind of is important for us to hit we're a little a little off our game here we usually do this right up front oh hey shane oh my god like a week ago uh or maybe like a little mo- month ago uh legend of bear truck trucker uh, from that same developer, Shane. It's a new 2D bear trucking Ooh. game from the same. Oh, I can't wait. I, I I can't wait to try out the Legend of Bear Truck Trucker. It's on Steam. I had no idea there was a genre of bear truck games. I didn't so, know. I think I was okay not knowing it. It's starring Enviro Bear. Now, now that I know it, I guess I need to play these games. Oh my god, it's brand okay. It's okay, I know what we're doing next. We're doing the Legend of Bear Truck Trucker and Enviro Bear 2010. Yes. <laughs> I love it. God, I, love I think you're joking, Bear. but I'm ready for it. I'm not joking. Um, I'm t- I, I'm going to download so Legend we, of Bear Truck. We do Trucker need right to talk now. about who made the game we're talking about. Yes, this. Shane, yes. please go right uh, ahead. Yeah. So this one's made by a couple of people from Vancouver. So this is a, according to their website. This is just a couple of guys making games. Uh, Jesse Ringrose and Jason Ennis, uh, who are collectively RAC Seven Games, and uh, they have two games in Apple Arcade. And all four of their games are games that I think at at one point or another we have taken note of. So um, the first game of theirs that I was aware of is one called Splitter Critters. Ah, Does anybody here remember Splitter Critters? Oh, I remember that that was a game where you was kind of a 2D platformer where you interacted with the the level not by moving the character, but by like slicing the level apart and and sliding it around in a very interesting way. That was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, another kind of wild interaction game was Dark Echo, which they also made. Ah. That one is a, you remember that? I, I find that one hard to describe, but it's basically, it's meant to be like uh, the experience of being deaf and navigating by echolocation. Oh, being or being blind, blind and navigating, yes. I should say. So blind, it's an audio, it's, it's pretty much an audio only experience where you are navigating using just sound yeah it does have like visuals it's hard to explain it the the visuals are a part of it like you can you can kind of imagine like bouncy lines almost impossible for me to describe and Mm -hmm. you know of course this is a 
not the point. But there, there, there are there are two games that are on Apple Arcade. So if you are following along with us with Apple Arcade, there's this one, and there's also a puzzle game called Spec, which is similarly very difficult to explain. Um, I, 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 I think we talked about Spec in one of the Apple Arcade or the App, or the Apple uh, Game Awards episodes that we used to do every yeah, year. Yeah, it's like a, a line draw. And You're thinking of Black. Of that, I think it's worth mentioning. Oh, I am thinking of Black. Yeah. So close. Spec, S-P-E-K, is, is a game where you are solving kind of line puzzles by manipulating these like 3D objects that you only see in outline. Uh, it's very bizarre, and I, I'm I've not actually played it, but it seems pretty neat. Um, I probably should play it now that it's on Apple Arcade. But uh, the the cool thing about this game is we tend to cover the Apple Design Awards. And I think we didn't this year. But this game, I'm glad we're kind of getting to it. The Apple Uh, Design Awards have become really boring is why we stopped covering them. (laughs) Yeah. But this game is worth an Apple Design Award. Mm -hmm. This maybe makes me think we might have made the wrong call kind of jumping ship on ADAs. Uh, for our coverage, but I don't know. The, 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 this game, it, it's somehow it's the least weird of their games, but it's the most fun. Uh, it, it's and and that's saying something because it's super weird. Like this is a this is a very weird developer. I like their vibe. Hey, I love it. This feels like an outlier in their catalog, but it has a very high concept, and I think it also shows a dedication to theme that i think is a hallmark of them they go hard whatever they do they do whatever they do they go hard and this game is definitely the most comprehensive sasquatch mischief simulator i can imagine (laughs) for sure easily easily the most con at at the most comprehensive sasquatch mischief simulator for sure and that's also something we should bring up is uh is is it a short short game game. (laughs) yeah it was This is a weird thing with Apple Arcade, is that Apple Arcade doubles the links of their games later. This is so. What this is is it's an incredibly it's a it's a game that's just incredibly generous with its content, and I think that is a way of respecting your players' time. Like there there is a it does get a little bit grindy if you have very specific goals in mind. Uh, like I really wanted to play golf, and it turns out golf is an expensive sport to play, even when you are Bigfoot. But like they—they they have been as developers, they are—they have been in- incredibly generous in terms of things that you can do. Like this is a game that is just chock full of different things that are probably fun to do, and little threads that you can pull and find whole interactions there. Like one example is, um, like you can you can get to a police station and then disguise yourself as a cop and then take a, uh, and then take a, a radar gun and start writing tickets for people who are speeding. And then once, and it, you would think like, okay, that's, that seems like it's kind of a simple interaction. They go all in. Once you start pulling them over, you start looking at their, uh, at their license and registration, and then you're basically playing papers, please. You can write them yet. tickets for like not wearing their glasses, what that they're supposed to have, 
or like you could write them a ticket for like driving a car that's the wrong color. Um, so like, and every everything in this game has like a thread like that to pull, and it's hyper non-linear. Like you can spread out and just start going off and doing your own thing. Um, you know, yeah. it has this main quest based around these map pieces, and then it has another main quest that they added after that. And then it has another main quest where they, <laughs> that they added after that. And, like, by the end of it, your Bigfoot has, like, a job in a corporation and, like, is a championship race car driver. And it's like, what even is this game? <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say, uh, I'm not really looking for games right now where I get to pretend to be a cop. However, if I am, uh, being a Sasquatch pretending to be a cop is exactly the angle that I'm looking for. I also like mm-hmm. the uh, sort of emergent gameplay that can come out. I don't know if this technically counts as emergent gameplay, but it really felt like a moment for me in this game, which is... So uh, you were talking about the controllers earlier, and I kind of wish I was using a controller because I think this game wants a level of precision with your Sasquatch that I think is really hard to pull off on touch controls now that might be by design but it's kind of slippery you know i find myself getting caught on things all the time missing the hiding places sometimes the hiding places are are pretty small and you really gotta like line up just in there to hide the way you want to uh but it also leads to some good comedy where you are desperately trying to run away from the ranger and just not doing a great job at it (laughs) and there was a particular moment there's a um there's a giant maze like a hedge maze because of course there is and you get in there and i spooked someone who then went and got a ranger and i found myself in a like foot race like you run as fast as the ranger does they don't run faster than you so if you can just keep that gap they'll never catch you and most of the time you get caught by running into something or getting like you know, pincer moved where they they come at you from both sides. Uh, but in this case, it was just me in a maze being chased by a ranger. And it was the best I ever executed the movement in this game because it's a small maze. And it was some of the most, it was maybe one of the most stressful moments I've had in a video game in a long time is trying to run from this ranger in literally a maze. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. And I did not know where the exit was. So I was like, Right, left, right, go, and uh, eventually, dead end. I I guessed wrong in the maze, and the and the uh, ranger got me. It was uh, really, it was yeah, it was really silly. I was, I felt like I had never controlled the Sasquatch better, uh, and, <laughs> but at the same time, I was trying to navigate a maze. When have what other when have i ever had a maze in a game that i've actually been like i don't know where the end of this is you know uh so there was a lot of emotions going all at the same time in this like maybe 30 second experience and that was a lot of fun and i feel like this game is just a lot of those little things you're like this is silly i'm not gonna orchestrate the same situation again probably i'm not gonna like go and trigger the guard so I can be, you know, I can run through the maze again. But it happened and it was a ton of fun. Some of my favorite moments were when you have just an annoyingly large amount of hubris walking around in your camper or other disguised outfit and you are just 
wander around causing mayhem, breaking into people's RVs right and left. And then you stumble upon a rager and you have to remember, oh, no, I'm supposed to be sneaky. And you just dive into a tree (laughs) or a bush or a lake. Uh, I think those are the moments that I I had a lot of fun because even if you get around the mechanics, I think it's very fun to make mistakes in this game. And that is not always true. Yeah, well, you know, what's that? Uh, I I forget who said it first, but I don't want to steal this thought. But like a stealth game is only as fun as what happens when you get caught. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, I think this game works with that. I mean, for the most part, you're just running. But like, even that is pretty silly. Like I explained with the maze and the stakes are pretty low. If you get caught, you just get booted to a nearby part of the park it doesn't even really send you that far and it's pretty easy to get back into whatever you were doing it can it'll cancel if you're doing any like you know mini quests that exist in that zone but other than that you can just go right back in there and it's more just like you don't want to deal with getting caught but you're it's not really going to set you back very much the more i think about it the more the more I just like flat out don't believe that this is just two developers. Like it, that's what it seems. That to seems impossible from their website, but this game is huge. There's just too much to do. There's like, there's like two, there's so many different jobs that he can have. And so many different like little mini games that you could, you could go surfing, you can go skiing, you can play golf. You, you I'm sure there's other games. You're yeah. Playing. There's a, uh, you have a stat book in, in your backpack. And uh-huh. that was when I started to realize, like, oh, my God, this game is massive because I was making pretty good progress on the treasure maps. If you just go straight for them, you can start to collect them pretty quickly. But you can open up this book and it keeps track of all the different things you've done, how much food you've eaten, how many times you've been caught, how many fish you've caught. Side note, I've said before, I love fishing mini games in a game. So glad, of course, this one has a fishing mini game. Of course it does. Anyway, mm-hmm. you start like this book. You're like, there's like 20 pages to this book of all these different things. And you're like, what the hell am I going to get into as, as the bear would call it, the Sam Squatch? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure how much left there is to say about this game. We did mention at the top that this is a longer game than it initially seemed like. And that's why none of us, as far as I know, got like credits on this one. Um, and if you even can, yeah. And I probably will go back and play this because like, you know, Shane mentioned playing this with his kid and I was doing the same with my, uh, my daughter does not usually get interested in me playing video games, but I sat down on the the couch playing this game and, you know, she was looking over my shoulder and she was asking questions about it. Like this is a very kid friendly game while not being boring for adults. So that's a really big pro. Um, I'm looking forward to playing more of this one. Before we roll on out of this episode, maybe now would be a good time for us to do another little what's making us happy this week. Shane, what's making you happy this week? So the the thing making me happy this week uh, was kind of an impulse purchase. So I, I have recently been kind of wanting to know more about Norse mythology. Part of that was, uh, you know, just some came up in some fantasy fiction and then also, uh, very recently, there was a whole magic set based around, you know, Norse themes. Um, so I picked up a copy of the graphic novel Norse Mythology, uh, which is written by Neil Gaiman. So good. And I don't know if anybody has read this one. It's so I've fun. read the non-graphic yeah, so novel kind of version a- of it, so I'm really thrilled they illustrated it. 
Yeah, it's it's beautifully. I didn't know it was a, a non graphic novel before it was a graphic novel, but it's it's very. It works great as a comic. I I was like, this is for me as a comic. And uh, the cool thing is, uh, well, first off, just a sweet cover with like a oh gold that yeah that Thor's looks hammer that looks rad. It. Uh, but it's a anthology style kind of illustrate. So the it has a lot of different chapters. This is volume one uh, that I have, and I think there's a, I'm gonna probably pick up the rest of the volumes so it carries as part of this like a bunch of different stories the first one absolutely fun yggdrasil and the nine worlds that's kind of setting the picture but what really really got me um is there's i have to find this panel and just share it with you all so i never knew like a lot of the origin story of the world in norse mythology there's some very weird shit that happens uh the second chapter absolutely perfectly is illustrated by Mike Mignola. So if you know me, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hellboy fan and having him illustrate, uh, like the story of Odin losing his eye, super perfect choice. Uh, but in, uh, <laughs> in, in the, 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 my favorite is this panel right here, which I'm just going to hold up so you guys can see it. Great radio. Go ahead. I know, I know, right? Great radio. Go ahead and describe it for us, Shane. Oh, but it's beautiful. But what this is, is... uh, So, Loki has made Thor's wife uh, lose all her hair. She wakes up and all her beautiful hair has fallen out. And he's... Of course, Thor knows exactly who's responsible for this. So, he goes and he, you know, kicks down Loki's door and then picks him up and shakes him. And the panel is just... Thor yelling, why? And then in wiggly writing, Loki saying, it was funny, I was drunk. <laughs> and, it, and it's just, I mean, it's just, that's perfect. Uh, so honestly, I can't recommend this enough. If, if you have any interest in like the mythology there, or if you're just a fan of comics in general, it's some good stuff. Yeah, and if you're a snob and you don't like comics, I can endorse the storytelling only version of it. I mean, he adapted both there. I'm sure they're both fantastically written. Yeah, that's that rules. I, I'm, I'm eager to check that out. Uh, Laura, what's making you happy this week? So I uh, am going to go also weirdly with uh, the past. My husband, and I've been watching. I Claudius. Um, which... ah, I love my Claudius. <laughs> we are on episode uh, nine of 13. And I think it's this, if you aren't familiar, it is a 1976 BBC series uh, where it, but it's better than that sounds <laughs> about Roman history. And it's better than that sounds because it's that really good mix of highbrow and lowbrow where everyone is speaking in plummy accents and acting insanely well. But then they also have. Just every single thing that was even rumored about in Roman history shoved in a pot, put on boil, and thrown in the series. Like, if someone kind of hinted in a source that maybe someone was poisoned or maybe murdered or maybe was insane or maybe, you know, stabbed someone in the stomach or had sexual perversions, literally all of it's in this series. And we are watching – Justin's been listening to a History of Rome podcast while going to bed, so he has – um, one side of the story, I three years ago listened to a podcast called The Other Half, and the first season was on the female emperors of 
the empresses of Rome. So I only know the female side. He only knows the <laughs> the like tactical history side. We're both trying to like follow the show, and it is a roller coaster. My God, Patrick awesome. Stewart he's, he's is just really fun hamming his way through like he shows up and for and he is like the most evil man of someone's reign and he is I a love it. reign of terror and it's like ah yes the next episode is called reign of terror and it's basically patrick stewart murdering people <laughs> like for a whole so, episode sign me I'm up man that rules I, I have to say though like um i've watched the the miniseries but i've also read the book and i've also done the audiobook like i've i've been through i claudius at least three times in my life is it and- historically accurate absolutely not Oh, no, 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 definitely not. But, like, it's also, like... Had to say that. <laughs> it's very much based on, like... Laura, Laura really... Laura's absolutely right. Like, it's basically, like, what is the fun ideas from Roman history? And, like, throw all the fun stuff. And by fun, I mean, like, the most gory or brutal or sexual. Just the most like, salacious parts. And then put it... But then yeah. get Shakespearean <laughs> actors to do it so you can feel like you're learning mm-hmm. something. But really, it's, like, John Hurt running around being... Just the best Caligula you've ever seen. I, I have to recommend the um the the book though for if you want if you want the mo- if you want more of the like really salacious stuff that they wouldn't have put on TV in the seventies like it's it's out there. I always compare it to like um it's very Game of Thrones like mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a novel from the like sixties or seventies but it has the it has the feel of like the first few Game of Thrones novels to me. And it's, if it's very you're a Game vibe. of Thrones fan, I think. There are specifically two things that he took from I Claudius that like, he said Tiberius is he based Stannis off of the way Tiberius mm-hmm. is portrayed in I Claudius, um, the man who want who can't be loved, who is very stiff and unbending, and then also the there is a scene where Claudius gets married to his first wife and she is so much taller than him and everyone laughs, <laughs> and he just puts that in. Game oh of yeah, so I mean, Cla- uh, Claudius is is very Tyrion in a way. Like, yes, in not it's not like one for one, but like if you love Tyrion Lannister, you're gonna you're gonna love, love Claudius. Claudius. Acting like you're dumber so you stay alive. Very exactly. Tyrion Lannister. Oh, so it's so good. It's been really I, delightful. I, I do recommend that if you're gonna watch it, you um, go to the Julian Claudian. Uh, family tree and you just save a picture of that to your phone because you're going to keep referencing that because everyone's gonna, related gonna to gonna everyone else yeah oh man but no, like but it's yeah been so it's much great fun. if you want if you want like really detailed um over the top descriptions of like roman religious practices frankly described about like oh yes yeah, she was a very pious woman bathed in blood twice a month mm-hmm. like just gouts and gouts of ox blood pouring down all over her. Let's describe it in great detail. She's very pious, that kind of thing. Like, I loved that kind of storytelling of the just like, what's the weird shit about Roman history? Let's try and weave it all together. It's good. It's really good. It's the kind of show we were liking watching so much. We we watched two or three episodes in a row, and then we spent 45 minutes talking about what we would do with a modern remake. Um, I think it's due... Let's do a 50 really years of is. I, Claudius modern remake. It, it is so due. The second novel is also really good. Like if you, if you finish the series, um, I don't think they ever did a, a, a mini series out of uh, Claudius, the God, but it's really good too. So like, if you, uh, if you finish this and you're like, I want more of that, like go, I would also recommend the novel, but like the, the original book, but also the, the sequel to the book, Claudius, the God is also really fun. So yeah. there's more where it came from. If anyone wants that treatment, let me know. It's very good. <laughs> And the uh, good thing about using 
they're doing a modern remake is that you could still use Patrick Stewart because <laughs> he looks the same for the last 40 years and it would be great. And he's, he's only been getting better. <laughs> yeah, he, he's great. Uh, Absolutely. God, I treasure that, man. Uh, Nate, what's making you happy this week? I saw a movie. Yay! What? In a theater? In a theater. Yeah. <laughs> I went to a movie. Wow. Uh, it, was, it was great. Well, the movie wasn't great, but the experience... I love going to the movies. It used to be one of my favorite, like it used to be something that I, I did all the time. One mm-hmm. of my big hobbies and I haven't gone as much over the last five years. And then in particular over the last, uh, <laughs> you know, year and three months. Um, but a friend of mine, it was his birthday and his wife organized a surprise party where we, they rented out a movie theater and whole crew, everyone vaccinated. So I'm like, Hell yeah, let's go. I want to get the biggest popcorn I can get, and I'm going to go and watch this movie. And it was awesome. We saw uh, the thing about going to a movie right now. It's not like there's a lot of great options Mm -mm. for in-theater movies, but uh, we saw a movie called Wrath of Man. It was directed by Guy Ritchie, starring Jason Statham. Those are two things that I love. And I also really love like stupid action movies i'm i'm all in i i'm here for it and that's exactly what you want to go and see at a theater if you haven't been to a theater for you know over a year and a half uh and it was bad it was a dumb movie it was a really it was a dumb movie (laughs) like and i and i like i also like bad movies you know i've said on the show uh the podcast how did this get made is one of my favorite shows and i kind of keep up with that i watch movies that are bad for enjoyment. And this movie was close to that. There there it's like so bad that there are parts that were enjoyable by how bad it was. But it was an interesting balance because the apparently it's a it's a remake of a French film. So it, it's its bones were really good. Like the plot was interesting and its storytelling devices were interesting. And overall I liked what happened. I thought it was a, a cool movie and you know, it's an action movie made recently, so it looks and sounds insane, especially if you haven't been to a, a movie theater in a long time. Like, the sound is just like, yes, this is why you go to movies, you know. Uh, it's a it's a big gunfight movie, so it just was insane. But the weird thing was the dialogue and the delivery of the dialogue, so the writing and the delivery, was so bad. What? That it made it hard to watch. I said to Molly, I think this movie would have been better if it would have been in a different language and we were reading subtitles. And you were like, so oh, it must be the translation. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I get to, well, I get to interpret, I get to determine the pacing of this because I can't understand what they're saying. Like, or it needed to be like a silent film. I think Guy Ritchie was just, you know, his whole thing has been like snappy. Uh, dialogue and like real fast language and everything. And they try to copy that into a, like just a straight up action. It, it's like a, it's almost like a John wick, like revenge film, you oh, know? So it's like yeah. really dark and, but it was like, bomb, 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 just constant dialogue. There's and a reason John wick so, barely talks. <laughs> yeah. It was all so stupid. And like, it got to the point where I thought maybe it was intentional satire because the movie is almost exclusively men. 
and it's almost exclusively like big like buff dudes you know doing big buff dude things and so like a lot of the dialogue is like huh, like you know like 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 oh look at her da, 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 you know and like oh i was you've been in the gym oh, I've, been, I've been in the gym longer than you you know and it's just like i was like is this satire but no i don't think it is i think it's just bad and uh i i mean i had a great time uh but if you're looking for like you know, a good movie. I would There's not. There's probably a reason say. they didn't save this one until yeah. the audiences can come into the theaters again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, I, and again, I am, I am this movie's target audience. I, I am all. I'm here for the Fast and the Furious movies. I, I, I genuinely enjoy the stupid action movies that are that are out there. And so I, I was like, I will like this no matter how stupid it is. But. Turns out I was wrong. This was stupid <laughs> in a way that I was not anticipating. Uh, I've never seen this sort of balance. Uh, I like w- watch the movie, turn off the, uh, I don't know if you can like mute the dialogue and just read it. Maybe it'd be better or just ignore the first hour and then watch because it, you know, it's an action movie. So the last like hour is mostly flat as far as dialogue goes. So once you get past the beginning, it's it's a lot better. So uh, it was weird. Your endorsement is movie theaters, maybe not this particular movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, if you like, if you go in and you're like, I, you know, I, I think if the ideal scenario for this would have been that everyone goes in knowing it's going to be stupid, so we could kind of laugh about it. Yeah. But I hadn't been in a theater for so long, and it was is a not a big group, but I didn't know how you don't know how everyone's vibing on a movie and you don't want to be the asshole who's like, you know, kind of riffing it while, and there's someone like, you know, right next to you who's like loving it. So I think if you could, if I could recreate the scenario and get the same group in and be like, we're all going to laugh about the first hour. That would have been the ideal movie theater experience. I was satisfied though, as I walked out, because it was this guy, it was a friend's birthday. I didn't want to like make fun of the movie if he enjoyed it. And I walked out. We were the last ones out, and everyone was sitting there in a circle, going, "What the hell did we just see?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, my people," you know. And we immediately went into uh, to uh, you know making fun of it. So it was uh, it was good. It was a lot of fun, and I ate like fourteen pounds of movie theater popcorn, and and that was wonderful as well. So yeah, I'm not a show for AMC, but I know they've been showing. Uh, reruns of classic or their definition of classic films. So they had Scott Pilgrim a couple weeks ago. I think this weekend is Mission Impossible. Um, They were doing Top Gun. So you probably can find something. We've been, there's a ton of really dark documentaries playing at the IFC and I really want to (laughs) just grab them by the shoulders and shake them and say like, I didn't, I'm not coming back to the theater to watch a horribly depressing documentary. Like, please take yeah. any of your popcorn movie. Like, you should be showing Amelie right now. What is wrong yes. with you? So yeah, I like it did make me want to rent. You know, because I, I it was really nice being there with the whole, everyone you know is vaccinated, and you can just sort of like do something like that. And also, movie theaters are, are you can rent those theaters for like very cheap right now because of course you can uh and that's probably going to end soon uh hopefully hopefully theaters can get back to being you know packed and 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 whatnot so uh it was in great the heights is gonna just in the heights so much money yeah probably i'm excited about it 
But uh, but also, you know, well, this is a whole other subject. But everything is also coming out on streaming at the same time. I'm wondering yeah. how much is going to be like the like the pack the theaters for the opening weekend sort of thing. Yeah, um, I do have a beautiful projector. I also really love leaving my house. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, I I like watching movies at home too. And I, you know, we got. Uh, I had a really bad TV until about two years ago, and that has like changed my opinion on watching movies at home. Uh, and uh, but there, there is obviously there's something about being in the theater, and to me, it's all about the sound. Like you just can't recreate. Mm-mm. At least I have not committed the funds it would take to recreating uh, what it's like to be in the theater uh, when it comes to sound, whether it's an action movie or not. Like it's just such a different experience. Yeah, and if I did, I would be evicted. So, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt, yeah, your New York apartment, you've got like 20 grand of speakers in there. Well, they keep, every time I look at getting a sound bar or a speaker system, everyone is like, you really need at least two subwoofers. <laughs> it's like, again, I can't get evicted. Not going to work. Not going to work. Your space is tiny. Just, just get anything. <laughs> That's basically what I did. I just bought a cheap Bluetooth speaker yeah. and called it a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The projector is a great call, though. Highly recommend. Well, um, my uh, I don't think my what's making me happy that I was going to recommend to folks this week is really it doesn't quite measure up to uh, to everyone's, uh, you know, exciting stories about going out to out of the house. Um, I was just going to recommend that, like, I've been playing a video game this week that I'm really, really enjoying. Uh, I think if you've listened to the show a long time, you might remember that I'm, I was a huge fan of Nier Automata, which, uh, came out, you know, many years ago, but uh, we were on the show at that time, at least. So I'm sure I've talked about it here and there. And I thought it was a masterpiece. Like it was my first encounter with Nier and with Yoko Taro's work. And, uh, I just thought it was brilliant and in, in a lot of ways and really cool. And, um, part of the allure of it was that it was it was this sort of sequel to another notoriously weird game, uh, the original Nier on PlayStation 3, which was in itself a weird sequel to a series of PlayStation 2 and 3 RPGs that I had never even heard of and nobody played called the Drakengard series. And anyway, this series is just like notoriously weird. The games in it are because uh, Nier Automata has has become very, very popular, all of the old games are just like incredibly pricey to pick up on the secondary market now. Um, and so like I'd never, I'd always sort of meant to get around to playing Nier, the original game. Um, but also there's, there's there was a lot of confusion because like the original Nier uh, was like weirdly bowdlerized when it came over from, from Japan. Like the, at the time, uh, you know, Japanese games were really kind of being shit on by the American games press. And um, they changed the main character from being like a young sort of cute, you know, Bishonen anime boy, basically, to be like, they decided that won't sell in America. So for the American version, he's this, like it changed from being, there's the, the, the central relationship is between this guy and this, this like, you know, young boy and his sister. And it changed it, they changed it for the American release to the, the main character being this like huge buff, growly old man. And the person who was his sister is now his daughter in that version. And so, and I was aware of that and that there were a lot of other weird changes that were for the American market. And so there was all this sort of confusion around like, well, should I even bother playing this version? Cause it's kind of weirdly been altered or does that not matter? People did like it, but some people didn't. And anyway, it's also on the PlayStation three who hooks those things up anymore. 
all these problems were solved for me by the, the fact that they re-released it recently. Near Replicant. Uh, this version of the game is called Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. Dot, dot, dot. The dots are part of the title. Oh. Thank you. Okay. Um, yes. So uh, it's it's this updated version of uh, of the original PlayStation 3 Near with some new graphics, and they've restored the original protagonist. I think they've done new voice acting. Um, you know, I'm not surprising anybody here. Like, this came out in August. It's been out a little while. I'm sure if folks are, like, you know, ear to the ground on podcasts, then they're probably already aware that this is out. But um, I have been playing it. I've played about 20 hours of it so far. Um, and I love it. Like, I, I haven't gotten so deep into it to really be able to talk about like the really deep in, the intricacies of the game. Like Near Automata had this like really amazing structure where it was like full of the these the, they had tons and tons of different endings and routes and but it it was deceptive because it really was sort of one unified experience and um these different endings were just sort of different ways that the game took to express its theme and it still really hung together as a single uh, single game with a single path through it this is a little different uh, it feels a little bit like a rough draft of that it still has the multiple endings thing but um it, and it's got very different themes like um this game is really more about sort of like found family and um, and being an outsider. And uh, Nier Automata had much heavier themes about like uh, you know, the uh, meaninglessness of existence at the end of the world. Well, this has a lot of that too, but it's 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 very different in some ways, but it's also very similar. Um, and it's just so fascinating to go back and see this game, which really does sort of feel like a rough draft of Nier Automata, which is such a brilliant game. Hmm. I... Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I was worried that I wouldn't like it. I was worried it would have the sort of like PS3 game clunkiness that would like prevent me from getting into it. But like, I love the characters. It's fun to play. Um, don't let anything stop you. I think if if you haven't played any Nier games, I do think that the right way to do it is to play Nier Automata first um, because this game is just a little clunkier. Um, but like, it's still a brilliant game and it really does stand up. And the the re- having having a modern remaster of it is I'm I'm so pleased that they chose to do a remaster of this game because otherwise I probably would never have actually gotten around to playing it being you know a PS3 game that's rare and and expensive and also just you know a ps3 game but this is i'm so glad we're playing it it's really good i would recommend it if you played near automata and you need any kind of push go check it out it's great excellent that's all i have to say so listeners thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the short game uh i had fun talking about sasquatch or sneaky sasquatch i had a lot of fun playing it and next week we so (laughs) We were having a conversation. Next week, sigh. <laughs> listeners. Next week, uh, next week we're gonna be covering something a little different. Um, we were having a conversation, you know, on our back line here. Uh, and it came to light that uh that Nate has n- had not only never played, but had never even heard of Peggle. Peggle. I can't be alone here. And it wasn't just not name recognition. We he looked at pictures, he looked at some gifts and he still did not know what this is so i am convinced this is a berenstein bear mandela effect thing where this is all just been willed into existence i have slipped into another universe where peggle is a thing uh but i'm i'm ready to dig in i'm ready uh, like we we were saying this was gonna we kind of started saying this as a joke could be an episode but then we kept talking about peggle and its impact or rather 
Shane Reagan and Laura <laughs> kept talking because about they, again uh, kept that, insisting we we're making the whole thing up. <laughs> I, I think I still am not convinced that this game is real. So I, uh, although I have downloaded it, so I'm about so, to crack the. Code I don't know here. if we really have a lot of deep thoughts about Peggle, but we were talking enough about it. That I was like, well, let's just make this a thing. So, dear, dear listener, we're going to be talking next week about Peggle. Um, if you haven't ever played Peggle, I would strongly recommend uh, Peggle. It's great. It's from Popcap. <laughs> Uh, and it's uh, Peggle and its pseudo sequel slash expansion pack Peggle Knights are still available on Steam. Uh, and uh, the original Peggle is also part of the EA Play portion of, of uh, Game Pass if you have that so you can get it there. Uh, and it's I think the original Peggle is no longer available on iOS. There's the Peggle Blast uh, sort of free to play game, which I've heard is not good. So I would still recommend tracking down original Peggle. Um, Peggle 2 is also excellent and is available on PlayStation 2 and Xbox One, and I think also on the 360, but I could be wrong about that, but who plays those anymore? Um, And uh, there's also, we might talk a little bit about Round Guard, which is basically Peggle RPG. It's on Apple Arcade. Uh, I don't, I'm not in love with the art, um, but it has a very Peggle-like Save gameplay. for the episode. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the episode. So anyway, um, just mentioning all those things, our episode next week will be about Peggle writ large, Peggle the concept, Peggle. not any particular Peggle game. Yes. Um, but uh, we'll be talking all about Peggle next week, so join us for that. So if uh, people want to reach out to us in advance, telling us not to bully Nate, <laughs> how can they reach us? <laughs> yes, they can find us on the internet at... We'll bully Nate anyway. Well, you can find us on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find our contact form. Uh, There's also uh, twitter.com slash underscore short game or uh, at underscore short game is our Twitter. There's there's a there's a there's a Twitter. I'm trying to read out a Twitter URL from memory. I don't actually remember how those work. Anyway, at underscore short game on Twitter. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Reagan K. Laura, where can people find you? On Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? On the internet researching what the hell. Pig- <laughs> Piggle. Piggle. Oh Piggle. my god. Piggle. Piggle. The Piggle. <laughs> Piggle. Whatever, whatever the hell Peggle is. And also on Twitter ranting about Peggle at Nate STL. Uh, and Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And, and I forgot to mention that, of course, you can also find us on on uh, on our Discord, which is exclusive to patrons of the podcast. www.patreon.com slash the short game is where you can find us and support us. And if you support us at a dollar a month or more, you can get instant access to our Patreon where you can come and bully Nate yourself. So uh, join us there. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.